We're in Judges chapter 16. And we've made it this far. (laughs) In Judges chapter 16, we have a very familiar narrative. It's the story of Samson and Delilah. I'm sure everybody has heard this story before. And in this story, we have really the final act of the final judge of Israel. Samson's it. This is the very last judge that God gives Israel. Samson's it. Spoiler alert, Samson dies at the end of this chapter. (laughs) In his final act, I'm sure you guys know the story, in his final act, he quite literally brings the house down, right? Yeah. They're shamed and disgraced with no eyesight, about as low as a character can get, wallowing in the flamboyant, foolish ways that he has squandered. He grabs a hold of some pillars in a disgraceful place, the temple of the Philistines, right? And he brings the house down, right? Toppling it on top of himself, killing himself in over 3,000 Philistines. What a tragic story to a tragic fellow, don't you think? As we recount this tragic story, what a beginning he had in chapter 13. As we recount it, I just want us to consider a couple of things, okay? Not an outline, just three basic points. I want us to kind of weave through this narrative. There's many more. But I'm going to keep it real simple and real base for you today because it's what speaks to me. Number one, at the very, in the first three verses here, we're going to see how dangerous it is to hang around the gates of destruction. If Samson's life treats, shows us nothing else, we need to realize that if you hang around the wrong things long enough, it's going to get you. It will. And I don't care how many times you get away and I get away with things, hanging around the gates of destruction, sooner or later, it's going to suck you in and it's going to be to your detriment. So we're going to talk about that. Be be very careful on the way to destruction. There's ways. (laughs) We all have our own one. Samson had his. We'll talk about that. But bigger picture, we need to be careful hanging around the gates of destruction. Second of all, it takes most of this narrative. I want to just hone in and weave in a a principle that really we ought not to play games with God or our gifts or with God's people. We should be inspired when we read this little act, this little play, this tragedy, if you will, that we should be more direct people. Not very popular nowadays, is it? (laughs) But just to be more direct, honest, and forthright, and stop playing games. Because this narrative is nothing but a a test and a bunch of games. It's a fatal game. So I want us to think about that. Instead, we we might want to think about our own source of strength, right? So that's the narrative. And the third point I want to just talk about is, at the end of this tragedy... You might find yourself asking, why did God choose such a man as Samson? 
He looks like a colossal failure. So I want us to kind of look at the peculiarity of God's choices, okay? Because in a way, God's choices are God's choices. Some of them we understand and some of them we don't. But when you look in the mirror, (laughs) sometimes you might open up to the fact that God chose me. And that should inspire you. Samson's story should give us hope that if Samson still was near to God's ear, even in his depravity, maybe we will too. Maybe we are, right? So those are the three things I want to talk about. Be careful on the gateways of destruction. Number two, let's not play games. Let's be more direct. Remember our true source and our true gifts. And three, let's just remember the nearness and the graciousness of our God in choosing us. Amen? Let's get to it. Chapter 16, verse 1. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute. And he went into her. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here. And they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, let us wait till the light of the morning. Then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gates of the city and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. First three verses. I don't know if you noticed it in verse one, but Samson still has an eye problem. Remember Pastor Matt last week? He's got an eye problem. This is an eye problem I can't even fix, okay? Not even me. Nope. This is kind of like some of you, my patients that I have, you just, you just can't help. One, for instance, Brandon Matthews, you may know him. He's one of these guys, okay? He calls me the other day and says, I got something in my eye, and he is like a cottonwood magnet, Like, they just go in his eye when he guides his fishing trips. And when your fishing guide calls you, it doesn't matter what time, you answer and you meet him at the office and you help him and you take care of him because he finds fish for you, right? Well, I looked at Brandon and it didn't look like anything was in his eye, but his eye was trashed. It just didn't look good. I'm like, Brandon, what what are you using? And the night before he called me and said, hey, can I use this medicine? And it was, he named off the, the, the medicine. I'm like, yeah, use that a lot. I'll see you in the morning. He forgot to tell me the medicines, and it wasn't an ocular suspension. It was a ear suspension. <laughs> so he's dumping ear medicine in his eye. You cannot help people like him. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> and I'm not even that good of an eye doctor, and his all I said was, stop using that, and he got better, right? <laughs> Listen, Samson has an eye problem. You can see that in chapter 14 and 15, especially chapter 14. This is not an eye problem that can be fixed. It's looking too intently at the wrong things. This Samson saw, this word is to look intently at, to be mesmerized by, to be captivated and controlled by. That's the kind of look we're talking about. This isn't being myopic or hyperopic or even presbyopic. This is, I'm looking too intently at something that I ought not to be looking at. This is the same way we look at others' goods and want them for ourselves, right? 
when you look at someone else's job, someone else's spouse, someone else's house, someone else's car. Let me be real real with you today. This is the way we look at pornography. It captivates your eye, and it sucks you in, and it takes you to a bad place. That's the word saw. This isn't any other word. It's the same saw word when he looked at the daughters of the Philistines in Timnah. It got him in trouble then, and it's getting him in trouble again. These three verses, before we start the Samson and Delilah narrative, is a prelude that should be a warning. Listen, he was focused in on the wrong things. Be careful, little eye, what you see, because you can't take it back. It is in there. And that's one of Samson's problems. Do you remember Proverbs chapter 7, verse 27? It says this. The, the, the house of the prostitute is the way to hell. <laughs> and it's going down into the chambers of death. That's what wisdom literature says about prostitutes and looking at them and experiencing them is he's hanging around the gates with the women. But Dan, he's done it before, but he, I don't care how many times you've done this or looked at that, sooner or later it's going to get us. And that's the lesson here, I think. This was the very start of the end for Samson, in my opinion. It sets him up as the philandering fool on his way to destruction. This is nothing but a prelude to say this guy is still looking for trouble. And sooner or later, God's going to give it to him. Amen? Be careful, people. Be careful where we hang out and what we get captivated by. Because there is a funnel, there is a current that can lead you to a path of death. Spiritually, and in his case, physically. Amen? Those first three verses are just setting up our story, but they should be a glaring warning not to play around at the gates of destruction. Amen? Let's continue. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies. And by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him up and humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's a lot of silver. That's a, that's a prince's ransom. A lot of money. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies. And how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in the inner chambers, and she said to him, the Philistines are, behind, are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as threads of flax, snapped when it touches the fire, so the secret of his strength was not known. We're going to see here there's 
two more episodes just like this, <laughs> right? But let's let the games begin, kind of, right? Right? She's trying to find out his secret. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took the new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in the inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pin, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks off his head and wove them into the web. And she made them tight with a pin and said to him, The Philistines are behind, are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pin and the loom and the web. And she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me all these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. Just a fatal test and game of love, right? A lot of testing going on. You saw when the Philistines promised Delilah money, Philistines are, are, are testing or gaming Delilah, right? Then you have Delilah, right? Playing a game or testing Samson, right? Testing his love and his devotion. You even have Samson playing games. He knows what's up. He wouldn't repeat this thing three times. He's playing with her, right? But even bigger, as we'll see, Samson's playing a game with his gift. He's beating around the bush, toying, playing a game is what he's doing, right? We ought not to play games. This is a, this is a joke. When you actually read this, you're like, are you kidding me? Really? You think like the first time someone would get it or the second time someone would get it or the third time someone would, it's going to take four times. And I, don't, I, I think they're just playing around. It's a fatal game of love that's going to cost someone death. It's a big joke. Here's what a real leader would do in Samson. Is here's my secret, Delilah. Here's my secret. I'm a Nazarene from birth. Remember chapter 13? Here's the deal. God chose me as a leader of Israel, and he told me to stay away from the grapes and the wine don't touch dead things, and don't cut your hair. Now I know, Delilah, <laughs> I've done the other two, but I haven't messed with my hair yet. That's my secret to my greatness, is my consecration or my, my vow that I will set myself apart unto God. And my source then of my strength is not that, that's my secret. My source is God's Spirit Himself, who supernaturally charges me up 
By the way, did you see when he rushed upon me and I took that donkey jaw and killed a thousand people? You should have seen when I was younger. I just ripped a lion like it was a young goat. It's God that rushed upon me and gave me my strength. My secret was my consecration. That I'm setting myself, saving myself apart to God. My strength, the source of that strength comes from God himself. Instead, he doesn't say that. He plays around. He plays the self-sufficient fool, right? Like maybe it is my talent, right? I'm going to play around here a little bit. After all, I've already broke two of my rules and nothing happened to me really that bad, right? Why not go for the trifecta, right? He's considering it. He's not scared. <laughs> He's playing around. He's playing around with his gift and with God and God's people. And that's never a solution. I'd like to make an appeal for just in this, up to this point of, you know what's really refreshing nowadays for me? And I've grown to appreciate this. Maybe when I was younger, I liked the people to blow smoke at me. I don't anymore. Not even a little bit. I don't want people to be jerks to me. <laughs> But I find it quite refreshing when someone shoots straight with me, that they're not giving me half-truths, that they're just telling me what I not want to hear, but what I need to hear. Amen? It's so refreshing. Just to get that out of the way, faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? How many friends do you have that you're... Yes, in love and grace, but tell them the truth. And the truth of the matter here is beating around the bush is no way to go. Playing this fatal game is a joke. This whole thing is a, <laughs> is a tragic play. And I just want to make the appeal. As I read this, I thought that. I'm like, why? why, did, why? Well, of course, it's Samson. He's not going to do anything right. But what would I do? I don't know. I wish I would just be more direct with people. And I think that's at least a lesson we ought to think about here. In verse 16, the game's about ready to turn. Delilah is done being toyed with. She's done being Samson's little toy. She knows that he's messing with her. And she puts pressure on him like any good woman can do, <laughs> or bad woman. And when she pressed him, verse 16, hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Can I get an amen, men, in here? Give me an amen. It's not funny, but it kind of is. When she pressed him hard <laughs> with her words every day, and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. He wanted to die. He got pushed in a corner. And I'm telling you, pressure that women can put on men is real. Women, be careful with what you're pressing your man to do. He probably needs some of it. You have great power. You do. Women can press that. 
It's always been that way. There's nothing like it. I know it can go the other way too, but there's something to learn there. I've only been in one real fight. Okay, outside of the um, brawling Vidlak family, outside of my household I grew up in, okay? <laughs> there are a lot of fights in there. But outside of that, I've only been in one fight. It was when I was in grade five. I'm actually, a, I'm actually, a, I can, I, I, I don't like fighting. It's probably because it's self-preservation when you weigh 125 pounds, okay? Because I've learned that life is not played in weight classes. Like, yeah, you were a good wrestler. Yeah, but I was 48 kilos. Man, that's not that big, <laughs> right? But I was in one fight in fifth grade, and it was from a cute little girl that said, you know what? That guy over there, our classmate, I don't like him. Can you beat him up? I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> What? 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 What just happened? I find my oh, okay. Totally out of my character. But there's something about that, is there not, guys? <laughs> right? So she pressed him, urged him, and it got him, verse 17, to tell her all that was in his heart. And he said to her, A razor has never come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite to God from, the mother's, from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. He gave in. He rolled the dice. And I don't know how you guys read this. I think he knew what he was doing. Some people say, just this great power that a woman had over him and I think Samson might have wanted a way out of his vow. I think he thought to himself, I've already touched a dead thing, right? I've already ate honey out of a dead carcass of a lion that I killed in a vineyard. My other two are blown out of the water. Nothing bad happened to me too much. And now this woman's vexing my soul. I played around with her. Now she's put me in a corner. And you know what? I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to give it up. And I think maybe, just maybe, I'll be able to withstand it, is what I think he thought. That's my take on it. Maybe it's, maybe it's not yours. I don't know. I think he thought he was giving somebody a handicap. You know what, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to give them a head start. They, they take all my stuff, all my three vows, I'm going to give God a handicap, and I'm still going to get out of this one. It's never a good place to be, trying to give, give up too much. Overconfident Samson picked, I don't think he even picked a woman. I think he rolled the dice, thought he'd do it again. And as you see, it's not going to work out that well. Let's read it here. <clears throat> when Delilah saw that he had told all his heart. She sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. She knew that he gave up his, his secret. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him. And his strength left him. It's a great saying right there. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. 
And he awoke from the sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's the most tragic verse in this book and maybe even the entire Bible. But he did not know the Lord had left him. There's a guy doing D work thinking he's an A student. He did not know the Lord had left him. That's a tragedy. Unfortunately, it's a very familiar verse in the lives of believers throughout history. Do you know that? I did not know the Lord had left me. Now listen, Samson had a secret, but his source was God. When he gave up his consecration, his vow, his way he set apart, he lost his source. He had no strength. There was nothing magic about his hair. It was what it stood for, is that I'm setting myself apart. And he tested God, and God called him on it. Now listen, the Lord doesn't leave Christians, okay? But his presence definitely and the reality that he has in your life can leave you self-sufficient sometimes if you don't set yourself apart to God, amen? For the Christian, it's this way, okay? The Christian is called, we have a power inside of us. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We're called not to grieve him or not to quench him, amen? He's there. He doesn't leave us nor forsake us. He's there. It's a power that is available to you if you do not grieve him and do not quench him. It's a power source that we choose to turn off. That's our secret. That's our secret. It's not our Nazarite vow. It's the fact that we're going to be in good relationship with the indwelling Holy Spirit, right? We're not going to sin, right? to grieve him. We're not going to be stubbornly independent to quench him. We're going to live and walk by the Spirit. We're in fellowship with him. His power is accessible, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, any of the supernatural things that we can do through God Almighty is accessed as long as we don't quench and grieve God's Spirit. That's why it's good to live a good lifestyle in, a Christ, in God's power, amen? Because then we have access to the source of the strength of the Christian. He's the strength of our life, as it was Samson, amen? We could say the same thing a lot of times. We try to do things in our own strength, and it's like he did not know the Lord had left him. Well, no, duh, Samson, You've just been doing it long enough where you finally are reaping what you're sowing. That's a tragic verse. It's a tragic verse in my life. How, what, are the, what are the percentage of minutes in my life that I'm living through and by the power of another? That's what the Christian should be asking right now. What is it? Are we, are we living, are we letting God's spirit live a life through us? Or do we find ourselves in difficult situations saying, 
I didn't even know his strength wasn't available to me. Well, it is, but we got to keep our secret as well, right? And that's to be in a right relationship with God's spirit, amen? Don't play games with God. Don't play games with your gifts. Know your secret and use his power, amen? Samson's tragedy still speaks to us today, I think. This tragic verse. He gets bound, verse 21, and the Philistine seized him. And I hate this verse. Gouged his eyes out? Really? They enucleated his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles and he ground in the mill in the prison and the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Horrible. Just such tragedy. He had such promise in chapter 13. He had all the advantages, right? And he just, really? A woman got him? He was just playing around with her? Looks like he's in prison. Eyes out. Disgraced. Hair shaved. This tragedy still speaks today. We need to watch out around those gates, okay? Watch out. Even if you've got away with it, it, tomorrow may be a different day for you. Watch out. Don't abandon your call. Don't do it. Remember your secret, the source of your power. Remember your first love. And listen, if you don't, you will forfeit God's presence in your life. He will not leave you nor forsake you, but you will be powerless. You will be. I will be. I have been, you have been, frozen, stuck. Samson's a good example for us to learn from. Amen? Verse 23. Let's find out how he dies. Oh, sorry, I gave it away. Verse 23. Now the lords of the Philistine gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. That's not true, is it? False worship of this God with a little G. We know God just took his hands off Samson, and Samson ended up being what Samson was. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemies into our hands the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, explanation, they got drunk, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he, in, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the two pillars and Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof or the balcony, there were 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained them. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me 
And please strengthen me only this one more time, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars of which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and the left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those who he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all of his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorar and Eshtol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. There you have it. Samson getting what he deserved, right? Blinded, disgraced, mocked, depraved, just wallowing in his sensational foolishness. Amen? It was all real for him in that moment. The circus act had come. He had to come entertain them with his no eyes, right? Gouged out. The strong man. Just in a disgraceful, shameful place. In the temple of the Philistines. God's judge. Hmm. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. It gets me wondering. Sometimes when I read the Bible, maybe you do the same thing. You try to, like... I try to read it in like maybe someone else's perspective. Like I thought, I wonder what the Jewish people were thinking at this point. The average Jewish citizen, if he cared. <laughs> what, a, what a loser Samson is. Samson, our champion. Are you kidding me, Samson? Samson. Unfulfilled greatness, Right? I wonder if the Jewish people had enough perspective <laughs> to see themselves in it. Something to think about. That maybe they could see their own stubborn and stiff-necked ways. They were just whored around just as much as Samson did. Amen? Going after other gods. Right? Isn't the story of this book so far? A chosen people. Apple of God's eye. I wonder if they could turn that and spin it around and go, that's us. We're Samson. What in the world? Or if they did kind of what we do. What a fool. What a sensational fool. I got to be honest with you, I don't like Samson. Here's why I don't like Samson. There's a lot of people in the Bible I guess I don't like, but this one I especially don't like. I like it for this. I don't like him for this reason. Is he had all the talent, he had all the gifts, but he wasted them. It's like that athlete that had it all but didn't want to do the work. I never liked coaching those people. I never liked watching them compete. It drove me nuts when they had success. I hated it. Because anything more, Steve, Bronte, Steve Prefontaine would say, any more than given 100% effort is a waste of your gift. That's why I don't like him. 
but I wonder if I have enough perspective to spin it a little bit and look at, man, I blow it a lot. (laughs) Why would God choose such a person? Why would he choose such a person like you and me? Answer yourself that question. Because maybe you're like me. I say this a lot. I know you're probably taller, but you're a lot like me. When you look in the mirror, there's no hiding. And sometimes, frankly, I can have a mindset. I can't believe God picked me. And it brings me back to my Savior. I am only good, and I am only righteous, and I am only awesome because he's awesome. Amen? The peculiarity of the people that God chose should inspire you. Because in verse 28, there's great hope. There's great hope for even the worst of us. There's great hope that there's grace at a prayer. And I love verse 28. Let me read it for you again. In this depravity, Samson says this, he called on the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this one more time. He goes on to say, so I can have revenge for my eyes. But he prays. (laughs) Even his prayer is selfish. His lifestyle is garbage. He's a quote-unquote loser, getting what he deserves, right? And the self-righteous part of me just wants to say, and then I go, God heard him. Listen to me, God heard him. Even in that state, he intentionally picked Samson, and he heard him, even in that situation. I love that. That makes me feel a little bit better. It does. There's hope. There's hope. There's always hope. This tragedy of Samson should inspire us. It should. Yes, not to hang around the gates of destruction. We all have our things. With some people, it starts with the look. But everybody has something that captivates them. Let's let the Lord captivate us. Let's not forget our first love. It always leads to no regrets. It leads to beauty. It leads to righteousness. It leads to blessings. Stop eating fast food and just hanging around those things that that, that do your eyes good and your, your taste good, right? Let's really think a little deeper. Yes, I think that's a lesson. And these games, don't play games with God. He is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. Amen? Let's remember our secret and our source of strength as the Christian. It's accessing God's spirit that is ready and willing. If we can just get lined up with him, amen, and get spiritual, And let him live a life through us. You won't find yourself saying, I didn't even know God left me. Well, guess what? He didn't. But his power and his practical presence in your life did go bye-bye when you said bye-bye to him. (laughs) Amen? And then finally, 
He picked you. And he picked them. He picked those of old. And we are now the apple of his eye. Amen? That should inspire you. The hope that he answered a selfish, depraved old fool. And he answered his prayer. Gives me quite the inspiration. So may the Lord be with you this week. So Father, thank you for the example of Samson. We thank you for everything you give us in Jesus Christ that we can access through his spirit as Christians. Pray that we would draw near to him that out of our lives would come rushing waters, a life that is powered by your spirit. So be with us this day. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. Amen, guys.